You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm here as always with David Rommel. We've got another two-a-day player preview for you today. Earlier this week, we got Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo done. Today, we're looking at a, we're taking a look at the Johnson and Johnson brothers, Tyler Johnson and James Johnson. So as usual, we'll stick with the same format, go through some stats, um, things to improve, uh, worst case, best case scenario. We'll compare them to players in Heat history. We'll take a look forward to what we might be saying in my in our preview for next summer. Uh, we'll compare them to a chain restaurant, and we will play FTK. Let's start with. Tyler Johnson. Uh, yeah. What was your one stat? Uh, well, the stat I picked was 26.1, and, and that's his percentage of field goal attempts from zero to three feet, according to basketball reference. And for me, what stood out about that was that it's down from the previous season where he shot 33% of his total attempts from zero to three feet. So for me, he kind of stretched his game out a little bit more, taking more three-point attempts taking more mid-range jumpers, more floaters perhaps from a little further out. But we tend to think of Tyler as being able to capitalize on his athleticism, getting to the rim, and using his explosive leaping to dunk on people. But um, maybe it's something that he's toned down a lot, uh, maybe in his effort to try and minimize injuries and things of that sort. So uh, just seeing that kind of significant drop-off in the number of shots he takes at the rim was something that stood out. I've got 2.59, which is his assist-to-turnover ratio, which was – by far the best on the team. Right. Um, he's extremely efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over. He does get people into offense. Um, he got a lot better running the offense last year than he was in his first two seasons. And I, I expect that to continue to improve. Um, he's easily one of the most efficient. He's been the most efficient player on the team for the last couple of years. I don't see a reason that that would change. One, what do you have for was one thing to improve? You know, I was looking at his stats I don't know that there's any one thing he needs to improve. And I was looking at his per 36 numbers, even from his rookie season, when he was just starting to get playing time. They've remained amazingly consistent. And I think that's the best and worst thing about Tyler is that he's just a really good, serviceable player. And and one we anticipate being a solid six-man-of-the-year candidate, but a guy who's never going to really falter because of his incredible effort, but probably one who's limited as far as overall ability is concerned and might, ne- might necessarily never take – a star turn. And, and for me, it's not necessarily improving, just kind of remaining consistent. Uh, and I think that's something he's capable of doing. I've got shot selection down. Um, and I don't think it's mm. not an issue. Yeah, it never is. That's the thing with Tyler. It's like, he doesn't do anything bad, but or he doesn't do anything great either. I think he is right. And I think he, he takes what the defense gives him a lot. Offensively. He, he, re- he can just kind of read and react, right? It's like if there's a lane, he'll drive to the rim. If, if there's a catch-and-shoot opportunity, he'll take the three-pointer. But I'd like to see him maybe force the issue a little bit more um, right. and try to dominate a little bit more offensively than, than he does. And, uh, yeah. and to me, that's less long twos. 20% of his Ooh. shots um, were long twos last year, so between 15, and 15 feet and the three-point line. Uh, 20% of those shots were qualified as long twos. He doesn't really have a sweet spot, which is good. He's a little unpredictable. Um, But if he can take some of those long twos and make those three-pointers or get to the rim on on those shots, I prefer three-pointers because he is smaller. I'd rather him not get to the rim more than he already has been. I think that 26 to 33% that you pointed out is a good range. I don't need him taking like 40% of his shots at the rim because then you're increasing the chance of injury. But he... 
He took 3.4 three-point attempts per game last year. He's a 38% three-point shooter. He could shoot six yeah. per game. He could shoot twice that many. So if he converts some of those long twos into three-pointers, I think his game will dramatically, or his points per game could increase uh, dramatically just by turning those twos into threes. That's, to me, what I think where he should improve. Um my thing, my thing with him is that he often has the ball in his hands, so he gets past that initial yeah. defender, and then he rises up for that long too. He's not necessarily a catch and shoot guy, although he does make great opportunity, take a great advantage of those opportunities. But it's just, it's a, it's kind of difficult because he has the ball in his hands, so he doesn't necessarily have the length to just pull up over guys. He has to wait for space, either coming around screens and stuff like that, and that limits the the, the kind of wide open looks he gets a chance to take. And again, he's just so consistent, nothing too bad. But right. nothing at that level where you go, damn, he's amazing at that. He's just a really solid player. Fill in the blank. Tyler Johnson will be blank at the end of the season. On the Brooklyn Nets. You think? I think so. Okay. I think so. I don't know. I mean, I I, I feel like they're still going to try to make a case to try and trade for him. I don't know. Either it'll be because Miami isn't playing at a high enough level, but I think they'll still continue to, to look at other opportunities there. Maybe maybe D'Angelo doesn't take the, the star a leap that a lot of people anticipate will happen in Brooklyn, and maybe they'll need to another guard to handle the ball and maybe create some more three-point opportunities, and maybe they'll look at Tyler, a guy they were willing to sign a few years ago. Who knows? Best case, worst case scenario. I've got best case, sixth man of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly it. Um, you know, for me, that he stays healthy and helps yeah. lead the second unit. Did you have any player comparison around the league? No, I kind of, I was, I wanted to, I was looking at other six men of the year, Ben Gordon, Jordan Crawford, Ooh. but none of them are as good defensively as Tyler Johnson is. So, right, it, he's not instant offense like those guys either. And know? he's not as right, exactly, and he's not as flashy as Crawford or or yeah, instant offense as Ben Gordon because he can come out and score twenty points in a game. Uh, right which Tyler is not quite there. Um, so I just said sixth man of the year. I think he's got a good candidacy. He's he's an established sixth man, right? The whole narrative of he didn't start a game last year. He likes coming off the bench. Like, he's really embracing that role. So I think he's laying the groundwork sure. for a, a strong campaign. Um, yeah. And so I think that's the best case scenario. And the worst case scenario to me is injuries. It's just yeah. don't get hurt. Yeah, same here. Okay. Exact same thing. You know, it's a concern for a guy like Tyler. We've seen him get beat up so much and – he always has that tendency to play through them, but yeah, I think he played, be 70, he played seventy-three games last year, which is good, right? That's yeah. If he as long he can is. miss he can miss ten games a year, I think that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Comparing them to a player in Heat history, I had nobody. I don't know anybody that fits the bill, and I might just yeah. not. Yeah, I, I, you know, a guy who's a little undersized, making the most of his ability, but can also duplicate some of those athletic experiences. I mean, I, to me, I. I just couldn't find anybody. Maybe I wasn't trying hard enough. To be honest with me, I, I just nothing really stood out. Do you have one? I don't love it, so I might. We could just skip this. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, no, no, I want to hear. Got, I want to hear who you got. I've got Mario Chalmers. Um, okay, you know, plays the point guard position or the shooting guard position. He can kind of play both, right? Uh, really great in catch and shoot situations, but is good enough to handle the ball and get his own shot that way. Better defensively than he gets credit for. Um, just because they try really hard on that end and they're feisty. Uh, Tyler Johnson obviously is more efficient than Mario Chalmers. Uh, Chalmers yeah. was known for bad turnovers uh, at times, and Tyler Johnson isn't really that, so that's why it's not a great comparison. Tyler Johnson might even be more athletic than Mario Chalmers, certainly playing over the rim. Um, but So I don't love the comparison, but that's the only thing I can come up with. Um, yeah, it was tough. It was very tough. 
In our 2018 preview, what will we be saying about Tyler Johnson? I think this one's pretty uh, obvious. Uh, you know, I don't. I'm <laughs> looking at this now. Um, I, I don't have anything specific for him to be honest with you. Because you think he's going to be on the Nets. Um, so I think we'll be saying that that's the narrative next year is going to be he's going to be the second highest paid player on the Heat. That's what we're talking uh, about. No, that, makes, um, that makes sense. All right, what's your chain restaurant? <laughs> Again, another personal experience here for me. So I, I'm sorry if I keep making it a, a personal one, that's but better. you know, uh, many 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 years ago, many years ago. I had the opportunity to go to uh, the Golden Corral restaurant, and it's, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to one. Yes. Um, it, you know, it's not necessarily known for their great food, but certainly puts out a, a shit ton of it. Uh, <laughs> Quantity, not quality. Yeah, and that's great for me, but I happened to go there at a time uh, that was the perfect time, and it was at 3.30 in the afternoon, because little did I know that at 4 p.m., they shift from their lunch prices to their dinner prices where they bring out their high-ticket items, either <laughs> lobster or steak or something along those lines. They're, they're really big-ticket items. But for you who manage to stay there for longer than 30 minutes, you get to take advantage of the dinner menu items while only paying lunch prices. Hacked. And I think that's what we're I think that's what Tyler Johnson is. That right now, we're He's paying at the lunch, lunch price. prices. Yes. But next year, he is dinner prices. And, and maybe that steak isn't necessarily as good as you'd like. <laughs> that's perfect. I love it. Um, I've got Moe's. Welcome to Moe's. I've got a... Welcome to Moe's. Look, he's a... Uh, what is Tyler Johnson, right? He's situational. He's a sixth man. Uh, that's what he's best uh. at. He's very situational, but he's always good. Always good. Yes. Uh, always sometimes tough. and sometimes better than his competition. And I agree. Uh, and uh, and that competition could be in the form of Dion Waiters or Josh Richardson or somebody on the other or team. Chipotle. Uh, exactly. Moses is oftentimes better than Chipotle. I agree. I agree. But I love their it, tofu. Uh, they have great. They, they do do a great tofu burrito. Um, and Moses, I I would argue is better than Chipotle a lot of times. But it's really situational, right? You don't think of Moe's on a Wednesday. You don't think of Moe's on a Thursday. You just think of Moe's on a Monday, just like you think of Tyler Johnson as coming off the bench. It's just, it's very situational, but it has the potential to be more than just a situational restaurant. So I've got Moe's and Moe's Monday as, as the chain restaurant. Um, FTK. I think it's pretty obvious I've got him at trade. Same. Um, all right, what's your stat predictions? 14.2 points, uh, three point assists. And 3.9 rebounds. I've got him a little, a little bit higher in the rebounding area there. I've got 14.5 points a game, uh, 4.2 assists, and 4.5 rebounds a game. Um, wow. You expect big numbers from him. I think he's going to be asked to rebound a little bit more on the second unit because if James Johnson is a starter, uh, I think he's just going to, because he's the, uh, the only Johnson left, he's going to try to get his share of rebounds. Um, I do think that the second unit is going to play at a faster pace, so I wouldn't be surprised right. if Tyler Johnson was grabbing rebounds and pushing it down the floor. Um, and then I've got shooting clips of 44, 37, and 78. Nice. Um, Good number. All right. We should do James Johnson. Absolutely. All right. Quick reminder first to make sure that you are subscribed to Locked On NBA. That's uh, our boss's, David Locke's uh, podcast. He brings you all the national NBA news throughout the offseason and the regular season. He's got interviews with coaches, scouts, league insiders. Also, check out the rest of what the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including shows for every NBA team and your favorite NFL team, including Locked On Dolphins. 
Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. So, the other Johnson brother, James Johnson. One stat mm. or number, what did you have? Uh, for me, it's a number, the number five specifically, and that's has two meanings for me. Uh, one, it's the fact that he can guard all five positions out there, a value that we didn't anticipate out of James Johnson when he first signed with the team. We had no idea what we were going to get out of James, and he proved to be, I think, the best surprise of the last season, even better than the, anything we expected out of Dion Waiters or or Goran Dragic, I mean, James Johnson made the most of that opportunity. But five is also the percentage uh, of, of defended field goals when when guarded by Johnson. Opponents shot 45.3% normally, but when they were guarded by Johnson, they only shot 40.3%. So wow. that was that five was a huge drop-off there, and that's why he's such a versatile, great player. I love that you went defensively with your stat. I went offensively. I've got 38.4% nice. from the corner. It's the okay. highest his uh, corner three-point shooting rate has been. Uh, for his career when attempting more than one three-pointer per game. It was the first right. couple of years he didn't really, so his percentage was a little high. But uh, So 38.4% from the corner. So very, you know, he, he was able to stretch the floor offensively for, for the Heat, and then, like you were saying, extremely versatile defensively. What is the uh, one thing that you have for him to improve? As good as he was as a three-point shooter, I want him to improve it. I yeah. think if he's going to be the starter... I think he needs to get that number up to around 37% from 34%, which is what he shot last year. And I think that's important to to be a, a, a respected weapon out there where where defenders won't have any choice but to guard him on the perimeter. And then that causes shifts to defense where you can find an open player, maybe even an open Hassan Whiteside at the rim. So that's going to maximize everybody's ability to, to get easy looks at the basket. I've got limit mistakes. Um, you know, mm. He used to get a little crazy. He, he would get crazy with the ball a little bit. He had the highest turnover percentage on the team among key key rotation players at 16.5 percent. This might be 16.8 yeah. percent. Doesn't matter. Um, highest highest uh, turnover percentage on the team. So he he'd throw a, a cross court pass that he couldn't quite pull off, or maybe you know come in go, go into the lane with a high dribble and have it swipe from him. Uh, just limit those mistakes a little bit more, and if you can get more efficient, that'll lead to more opportunities offensively uh, for him and yeah. everybody involved. You know, I, I was going to point out, I, I'm wondering sometimes, because you and I both watched so much of James last year, and we had such low expectations, and he certainly exceeded those. Um, but I, I, I listened to you on the recent NBA Math podcast, mm-hmm. is that right? Hardwood Knox, yep. Yep, sorry, um, with uh, Dan Favale. And, um, and, and you know, you, you, I think there was a little bit of underappreciation of James there. And I wonder if right. we're biased because we watch him closely, but across the country... If people are just expecting him to revert to the player he was in Sacramento or Memphis a few years ago, and maybe they don't take into consideration the fact that he's changed physically so dramatically, but you know, his versatility was something that a lot of people didn't see in those other two stints, and we got a chance to witness so closely. And and I, I, I mean, I know that we're high on him, but I'm curious as to why other people aren't across the country. You know, there's... I, I agree with you, and I felt that way kind of during last season. I was like, why isn't this guy getting more... Recognition, but then Zach Lowe and his, uh, I think the Luke Walton All Stars. Um, oh yeah, had right. James Johnson there, and one of his lines was one of the few players in the league that can credibly defend guys like LeBron and Durant. Absolutely. And and when so if Zach Lowe writes it, then I I don't feel as bad about it. Um, I I say Dan Favale doesn't know what he's talking about, and I told it I told that go. to him on the podcast. But no, you look at his stats and you look at his contract, and I can understand 
why you know his argument was his that age was a great, too was a his, age. his age and like the fact that he has nine years of prior experience that don't look as good as his last season um right i i could see that but at the same time you and i watched him closely we understand that it was it was truly a transformation that he took so i i, I feel good about james johnson just the you're not necessarily paying for his stats but like we were just saying, the versatility that he provides, the things that he allows the roster yeah. to do. What's your best case scenario for him? Um, that just that he becomes a more effective shooter and mm-hmm. playmaker, and and you know a, a LeBron light. I think that's yeah. unrealistic expectations, but again, in a best case world, I think you know showing that kind of incredible versatility, being able to create plays. We saw him drive to the hoop with such explosive ability, yeah. dunking over people in key games. There, I mean. He is – he really is in a hell of a player, the kind of player that he was expected to become when they first drafted him, and we saw signs of that last year. I just want him to take that to another level this year. Mine is just 70 to 80% of Draymond Green. So similar versatility. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. What Draymond is able to do in pick and rolls offensively as far as being able to just run point set or uh, the, the, the point forward position, point center position, I think he has a lot of that. Uh, what's your worst-case scenario? That some of that mercurial behavior in the past starts to kind of rear its ugly head again. Um, you know, what if they trade Tyler and he kind of feels like maybe the camaraderie this year isn't as solid as last right. season? You know, he's got the, the new contract and he wants to be able to prove that he's worth every dollar. But at the same time, if, what if he doesn't get an opportunity to? When, you know, what if Whiteside or Dion or somebody else tries to take an inordinate amount of shot attempts and all of a sudden you're messing with Johnson's livelihood there and that kind of you know, it starts to, to get him towards that negative path there. I, I don't want to see that happen. You expect Miami to be able to control that stuff in-house, but it's not like those kinds of situations haven't arisen before, especially around the league. My worst-case scenario is that he's meatloaf. Mm. He's a one-hit wonder. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. You some, mean meatloaf the singer, not necessarily the The, the, the singer, the meatloaf the singer. Oh. If, he, if he turns into food, if he turns into a meatloaf, that would also be a bad scenario that would be a terrible case a lot scenario. of questions a lot of i would have a lot of questions uh but if if he is just meatloaf if he's just the one hit wonder that one good album and then never really could recapture that magic again um well he wasn't fight club though okay so yeah i mean james johnson could probably be in fight club um player in heat history that you can compare him to i've got lebron you james Oh wow! You went you went big time on that. It was the easiest one, um, but he looks. You said it before. He looked like LeBron at a lot of. There's a lot of points that just aesthetically he would look like LeBron, like the way he would just bully his way and just charge into the lane and and kind of whip those cross court passes when they weren't turns turnovers and just the leading an offense at his size. I'm not saying obviously he's LeBron James, but that's my comparison, right? It's just the way he looks and feels and a pro and and affects the game is LeBron James-ish. It's not to that quality, but it's on that spectrum, right? So right. that's that's who I had. Who did you have? I had a, a two-player mashup, actually, and that's uh, Adonis Haslam and Jamal Mashburn. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, Mashburn, you know, a different era, obviously, but had some incredible size and versatility in his game. Uh, a guy who could shoot from the perimeter at a very high level, win three-point shots, didn't come in the same level that they do nowadays. Uh, you know, could go to the hoop. A guy that probably isn't beloved by our fan base because, well, unfortunately, he had very bad games. He passed up a big shot at a key moment that I think has stained his his heat career. 
but he was a really, really solid player in the regular season for a few seasons here. And uh, I think he's a guy who isn't necessarily appreciated as much as he ought to be. And Haslam, I mean, just that attitude. I think the fact that James Johnson is willing to stand up for his teammates and, and, and can destroy everybody out there, to be honest with you. He's the guy... He's the one player in the NBA you don't want to mess with. He is a living weapon, and you don't want to start a fight with him. He's got as much all as we the, love. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, he's got all the makings of like the next Heat lifer, right? Um, oh, yeah. I think that was something we saw a lot from Heat Twitter last year, and I, I certainly I, – I mean, they loved him. They, they loved his attitude, his willingness to stand up for teammates. Uh, you know, he's a guy you don't mess with, and, and I think I, that's understood. I love this idea of the two-player mashup. I think we should just scratch the player in Heat history and go that way. Two, like two heat players, but we combine them to make this player. Do you want to oh, do that for the next the next few two days that we have? It's possible. It's All possible. Right. We'll see. Let's think about that. Um, what are we saying about James Johnson in the 2018 preview? That his defense against LeBron in the playoffs alone makes his contract a bargain. I've got. Um, can he rediscover his three point shot? Ooh, I think you're anticipating I, a drop off. Huh? Maybe. Yeah, I think it'll be a little bit of a drop off. Um, Draymond Green this last year shot 30%. They're saying that about him this year. Um, I think there might just be a little bit of a drop-off as he tries to do a little bit more as a starter um, and is asked to do a little bit more. What was your chain restaurant? Oh, I went with Denny's. Okay. Um, Did you know that the featured item on Denny's right now is a kale salad? Denny's has salads with kale. Their other featured item, a sriracha burger. I mean, I, this is Denny's we're talking about, and they've got all these incredible, versatile items on their menu. Maybe even you know, a little kitschy, maybe, or a little high class, if you want to look at it. But kale, that really stood out to me. Hmm. Uh, and for me, Denny's is always that place that you go to when your intoxicant of choice kicks in at 1 or 2 a.m. and you want a Moons over Miami or whatever it is that they have on their menu. But now they offer all this incredible versatility as well. The fact that they have this great late-night menu that everybody loves to go into when you're bombed out of your mind. But you can go there and get a kale salad if you want to keep it healthy. That, to me, is James Johnson. He's got that rough-and-tumble game that we've known for the past few years. But now he's an expanded version of the player he's always been. Now he's got that kale salad. I like it. It is. is. I've got Jack in the Box uh, for similar reasons. Like, constantly reinventing itself. It's always got some new weird thing on the menu. Um, Versatile. Doesn't do any one thing great. You know, you can go to Jack in the Box, you can get something. It's not going to be awful, but it's not going to be the best thing you've ever had. Um, so that's what I have for uh, James Johnson. A, a, jack, a jack of all trades is Jack in the Box. Yes. Um, all right, FTK. For me, he's a keeper. Yep. Um, you know, this season, obviously, is going to change that perspective, perhaps. But, uh, you know, if he proves to be as good or better of a player than he was last year, I think that's an obvious thing. It just seems like he's so valuable to the Heat and what they do. Um, he's uh, just, as far as what they want to do offensively and defensively, they can't replace that with anybody on the roster. Not The only one that could possibly do what he does is Justice Winslow, and we we got to wait and see if that's even a possibility. Um, so for now, I think he's a keeper. It's just, And, and even if you trade him, you're not going to get the same value back. He's one of no. the, at, at his age and his contract, you're not going to get the same value back. It's the same argument about, why we, we think Goran Dragic is a keeper. If you get rid of him, you're not going to get the value back. There's just no way. There's something about what he does for this team as a culture, as a franchise, and just in, in his skill set and how this team is built, that he's a higher value for the Heat than it would be sending him anywhere else. So I've got him as a keeper. What are your stat predictions? I've got one stat 
That's 75. Games played, games started. I've got 12 points a game, four and a half assists, five rebounds, shooting clips of 47, 31, and 70. Mm, 70 in the free throw. That's a, that's a problem. You know, Like most of our players, he just doesn't get to the free throw line nearly enough. So yeah, you that's, that. That, that's right around his average. For and That's okay out of a forward. I'm okay with – I can live with 70 for, 70% out of a forward. Um, the 47 is right about where he's always been at. The 31, I think he takes a dip in three points. I'm, sh- I'm hoping not, but that's what I'm anticipating. All right. Well, that's all we have for today, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. You can send mailbag questions or get information about advertising on the show by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Reminder to send us your mailbag questions to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or tweet them using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHeat. And if you're not subscribed already, please do so to get the podcast automatically every day. Then go to iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.